Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. God is in the business of the turnaround. Did you hear that? God is in the business of the turnaround. And some of you may be going through something right now that's really difficult, or you may feel like you got the short end of the stick, or things are just not going as well, or you might feel down and discouraged. Um, But the good news is that that's not where it has to end. That's right, because things that may have seemed like barriers that have held you back from experiencing all that God wants you to, joy, peace, a sense of security, that those things do not have to control you. They have to control your destiny. God is in the business of the turnaround, and he wants to flip the script in your life. So you ready to find out about flipping the script? Okay, flipping the script is to change or reverse something dramatically or to do something completely different or in the opposite way from the way that it's usually done, to turn the tables on someone. So politicians are notorious for flipping the script, right? A lot of times they have full-time PR people that take this bad situation and somehow they spin the story and it's like, oh, they're the good one. Everything's great. They are so skilled at flipping the script. So I don't know about you, but I believe it's time that we as Christians stand up, that we take our rightful, rightful place and that we flip the script on what the enemy had planned for us. What do you guys think about that? All right, so we're going to learn something today. If you're with me, open or not open, pull out your little handout. We're going to look at our key verse for today. It's Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So if that verse isn't talking about a turnaround, I don't know what does. Things may look one way, but you need to remember, God's got it. Nothing is too difficult for him. And we have to live with that mentality. Nothing is too difficult for him. You might be down, it says in your notes, but down is not your destiny. Man, sometimes you need to remember that. I might be down, but down's not my destiny. I do not have to live down, depressed, defeated, in despair. No, we're going to flip the script on this. So we're going to talk about three things, three practical things you can do to allow God to flip the script on seemingly impossible situations. So why does God flip the script? So he can get the glory. Yeah, ultimately, that's what it's about. So he can get the glory. I think that's pretty important to know. That everything begins and ends in your mind. That's what we're going to talk about first. The battle is won or lost in your mind. It's important what you think. So here we go. How to have a turnaround? In your notes, get ready to fill in the blank. Number one, choose better thoughts. Choose better thoughts. It's simple, really, but it takes careful planning, effort, and discipline because the enemy wants to have a heyday in your mind. How many of you have ever had the enemy have a heyday in your mind? Yeah, it's not so fun because if he has your mind, he has you. He's got you right where he wants you. You are what you think. Okay, I like fun facts, so just kind of give me a little bit of whatever here. The human brain, did you know, can store an estimated 2.5 million gigabytes Holy cow, that's the equivalent to 300 years worth of television shows that your brain can store. That's amazing. Your your mind is amazing. Okay, here, what about this one? The average person has about 60,000 thoughts per day. Crazy, okay? 60,000, that's the average of those, but here's where it gets, here's, what if you're, 
They said upwards of like 85, so we're like the average here, 60,000. But of those, 95% are exactly the same as the day before, and 80% are negative. Scientific study. That means that many of the thoughts you have are the pattern of the thoughts from the days before. You've got to create the right patterns. It's important what you think. Otherwise, you'll just get stuck in that if you just keep repeating the same thing over and over. 1 Peter 5.8 in your notes says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil will do whatever it takes to intimidate you. He'll try to make you fear with words. He'll try to unnecessarily upset you. That's what he does. He talks big and he wants to talk you into failure or make situations way, blow them out of proportion. But you've got to choose better thoughts. And that's how God can flip the script in your situation. So that scripture tells us to be alert and have a sober mind. In other words, you got to pay attention. Pay attention to what you think. You can't just let your thoughts roam. You have to pay attention. In your notes again, Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, what's that say? True. Whatever is, whatever is, whatever is. Okay, you're getting the hang of it. Whatever is, whatever is. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about what? Such things. Some of you might need to memorize that verse if you have not. You need to get it inside of you. And it's like, no, 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 that's right. I got to think these things. I've got to think whatever's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I need to think this instead of that. We are not created to, we, we need to ensure that we're not just not thinking things, but we are choosing to think other things instead because your, your thoughts have the power to be transformative, but they also have the power to literally destroy your life. It's not a one and done thing, though. It's constant. Have you ever noticed that? A thought comes, you got to jump on the thought. It's like, oh, yeah, I already had a bad thought however long ago. Oh, here's another one. I got to jump on the thought. A negative thought comes, you got to stop it. There's nothing that God can't do. So it doesn't matter what you're facing, God's still on the throne, and your thoughts should reflect that. Jeremiah 32 27 says, I love this one. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Man, if only we live like that. Is anything too hard for him? Nothing. It's all so simple. It's all so easy for him. There's nothing too hard for you. So the next time you're faced with a seemingly impossible situation, maybe you're going through, there's some bad news you're getting or personal drama. Remember, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. But you got to be thinking the right way about it. You guys remember Joseph in the Bible? Yeah, I love Joseph. He experienced years of being treated unjustly, right? He was um, sold into slavery. He was in prison for, anyone know how many years? 12 years? Like, yeah, like 13 years, a, a long time. He was imprisoned for a long time, almost a teenager, right? That long for a crime he didn't even commit. But all along the way, Joseph had the right thoughts. He excelled wherever he went. He had faith wherever he went. He wasn't like some of you would be thrown in prison to be like, oh, I'm never getting out of here. This stinks. Life is terrible. God forgot about me. Look, the rats are eating my little morsel of whatever. Wouldn't you kind of feel that way? It's like things are never going to get better. 12, year, 12 years, you all, for a crime he didn't even commit. But he kept his thoughts in check, and he was blessed. 
And what happened? That the tables were turned because when he was released, Pharaoh put him second in command and he ended up saving an entire generation. In your notes, I put this in here because I think it's important when his brothers came to him, um, when they, they came to Egypt to ask for food and they were just like, man, Joseph, we're so sorry for the way we treated you. They realized how badly they mistreated him. <coughs> Excuse me. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? This shows what he was thinking all along the way. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to him. Because you see, he didn't allow those unfair circumstances to hold him back from what God had for him, from making history. God flipped the script in Joseph's life because he didn't allow himself to become bitter. He didn't try to become even. He wasn't in the depths of despair. He was in the depths of the prison, but not in the depths of despair. And some of us need to transform our thinking so God can do what he needs to do. He's waiting. He's waiting on the wings saying, when will you finally give me your thoughts? When will you finally believe the right way so I can work on your behalf and whatever situation you're going through that he can reign supreme and he can say, look, I'm getting the glory because Nicole had the right thinking. That's what we need to do. But was it always the easiest thing for Joseph? No, he had to go through so many hardships, right? But it was necessary to get him to Egypt to be close to the Pharaoh. Listen to this. The suffering he went through in captivity was minuscule to the impact that he made in history for his family. Sometimes we might have to go through something, but what's on the other end is so beyond worth it. And when God's with you, he will flip the script of that situation. You'll be like, wow, look what the Lord has done. It's like this. I like visuals. We think in terms of, this is a chess and checker set. We think in terms, this is actually kind of hashtag political post that Taylor told me about that I'm using as a real post. We think in terms of checkers that maybe I see where I'm at right now and maybe the next couple of moves, but God is playing in terms of chess. He sees all the future moves. He knows where, where we're going, where we're headed, and God is in the chess game, right? He knows. He's like, hey, I've got it. Why are you worrying about the small things? Don't sweat the small stuff. I've got it. How we doing here? Okay, I have another visual. You want this one? Okay. Some of us, you ready for this? <laughs> okay. Some of us are looking through life through the wrong lens. And we look at things, holy cow, you guys are huge. Oh my goodness, that's so scary. That's so huge. What we need to do, sometimes we need, we need to flip the script, so to speak, turn those babies around. You look through the other side, wow, not so, not so big. Kind of small, actually. You got to magnify the right things. You got to look through the right lens. And sometimes those things that seem so huge, you're just meditating on it. You're thinking about it. You're stewing it over. And it's humongous. But when reality, it's small. Or it could be a big thing. Minimize it. God's got it. It doesn't mean you put your head in the sand. But you have the right 
thoughts. Psalm 34, 3 in your notes says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I don't know about you, but instead of magnifying the things of the world, we need to magnify the Lord. That's when you have the breakthrough because your thoughts determine your direction. If you don't like the way your life is headed, you might need to think some thoughts so you can head in the right direction. And that brings us to point number two. You ready for this one? Change your narrative. Change your narrative. That's speech for those of you guys that don't know that. The problem with so many Christians is that they don't control their mouth. The guys are laughing at me because it's a school term. Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Come on, those who guard their lips. I have another visual aid. I have a picture. You ready for this one? Have you ever read or heard about the requirements? when they get it, for the guards of the tomb of the unknown soldier. Anyone ever been there? Yeah, it's pretty cool. In Arlington, Virginia, I saw it when I was in high school. So basically, it's tomb, it's a tomb with the remains of unknown American soldiers from multiple wars. It spans multiple wars. And it's been guarded 24-7 since, get this, 1930. 24-7 guards. Okay, we're talking about guarding our mouth. I think this is really cool, so I wanted to share with you. The soldiers who guard this tomb have some amazingly strict requirements. They must commit two years of life to guard the tomb. <clears throat> okay, that's not so crazy, but what about this? They live in the barracks under the tomb. They cannot drink any alcohol on or off duty for the rest of their lives. They may not swear in public for the rest of their lives. There's no wrinkles, folds, lint on their uniforms. Every day, it takes them five hours to get their uniforms ready. They get dressed in front of a full-length mirror. You guys think your wives are high-maintenance? Okay, five hours to get ready for this assignment. The first six months of duty, this is the last little bit, a guard cannot talk to anyone for six months. They can't watch TV. All off-duty time is spent... Um, studying the 175 notable people that are laid to rest at that cemetery. Talk about intense. In 2003, Hurricane Isabel was approaching Washington, D.C. The U.S. House and Senate took off two days anticipation of the storm. <clears throat> right? That's pretty intense. And they said, you can have time off. You don't need to worry. You know, you don't need to, to guard your post. There's a hurricane coming. And this is what they said. No way, sir. Soaked to the skin and marching in the pelting rain of a tropical storm. They said that guarding the tomb was not just an assignment. It was the highest honor that could be afforded to a service person. I wonder if you would guard your mouth with that kind of dedication. And you take it that seriously because you know it's a matter of life or death. The things that you say it says there's death in the power of the tongue. I hope that we would guard our mouths that we say it doesn't matter how things look. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I guard my mouth. And that's what God's looking for. It's not easy, right? It's not easy, but it's so worth it. But maybe you've experienced this. Maybe your prayers are full of faith, but then you start going through life and it's like, God, are you really coming through? 
or, oh, it's just that time of year. Everyone gets sick. Or what about, I'll never get the promotion I deserve. Or these kids are such monsters. The way we talk holds us back from God flipping the script on, on so many impossible situations in our lives. We have to guard our mouth and we have to change our narrative. Just because you have a thought, this might be a new one for you. doesn't mean you have to speak it. Don't let it come down to your mouth. It might be up here. Don't let it travel. A lot of bad things happen from here to here. Don't let it come out of your mouth because you are, in your notes it says, what you say you are. Words have power. Negative, positive, either way, they hold power. Choose your words wisely. So instead of saying things that lack faith, Praise God ahead of time. Lord, I give you the glory that you already know. God, I'm praising you because I don't know, I don't know what's happening right now, but I know that you've got it and you're under control or you've got it all under control because God is working even when we don't see it. Remember, it's like chess. He knows all the future moves. We've got to trust him. Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you've got it. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I love those guys. Okay, they're smart, they're royal, they're good looking, they love God. They're like the total package. Are they not? Okay, you got to have some fun with the Bible. These guys are amazing. And they get, uh, they get taken captive, right? They're these young guys seeking after God, but they still find favor in a foreign kingdom. But that all changed when King, or, uh, so they have favor, right? But King Nebuchadnezzar sets up this golden image and tells everyone to worship the golden image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bow. But of course, there's tattletales, and there's always tattletales, right? The tattletales tell the king, King, these guys are not bowing down to the golden image that you set up. And so King Nebuchadnezzar calls them in. And it's like he gives them one last chance. Because he likes them. He doesn't want them to die. But, but he's upset. And he says, you know, gives them one more opportunity. And this is what they say in Daniel 3 in your notes. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. Oh, you got to have what, what he says. He says, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand before that? So he's saying, you don't bow, you're going to be thrown in the furnace. And the guys say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Look at what they're saying. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. And that made the king even more furious. You remember, he gets so mad that they turn up the furnace. How many times hotter? Seven times. How is that even possible? And he has these guards bound them up and they throw them in the furnace and the guards that threw them in got burnt off. They fell into the furnace because it was so blazing hot. And these guys are thrown in and all their garb, their turbans and their cloaks and everything. And pretty soon Nebuchadnezzar's like, oh, there's four men walking around in this furnace and he calls them to come out and they don't even smell like smoke. They're not even singed at all. Their clothes don't even have a single burn. I just walk by our fire pit outside and I'm like, my hair is like sucking in all the, you know, anybody else, like all the heat flames, the fire flames. They didn't even smell like smoke. 
And King Nebuchadnezzar is so amazed. And he says, he tells everyone that they need to serve their God because he's the only true and living God who's able to deliver. And, and, and really like pretty much orders everyone to follow God. But talk about a flip the script situation. They could have bowed down to the image and been, well, I'll just ask God for forgiveness later. You know how we could think like, is it really that big of a deal? Yeah, it is. And they didn't allow their words to falter. It wasn't like God could do this, but he might not. But, and I don't think that he will, but they were, they were saying, even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. They didn't let their words falter. Their narrative showed that they trusted God no matter what. And that's what our words need to show. Because what's the best way to flip the script on a less than ideal situation? Speak the word. That means we actually have to read the word to be able to speak the word. You need to be in the Bible every day. We need to be studying. So when these situations come, that it just comes to mind. It's like, oh, oh yeah, I know. Um, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That these things just come to mind. It's all about speaking the word because the word, the word of God, the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the best weapon you've got. Jesus in the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days. What did he use? The word of God. He spoke the word and flipped the script. Totally. Okay, little story. Uh, I married Taylor when I was 20 years old. Just a baby. Thinking back now, I'm like, I don't want my kids to get married at 20. What was I doing? But just before we got married, I developed warts on my fingers. Sounds weird, but I don't know what happened. And I had, they, they were all around the edges of my nail beds. And they were just annoying. And they were unsightly. And I'd go get manicures. And they would bleed. And it was just so annoying. Well, one day I'm in our master bathroom and I'm standing, I could still remember it. I'm standing in front of the mirror and I'm just like, wham, wham to Taylor about my warts. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think he was tired of hearing me complain about it. I was like, these are just annoying. And I just got a manicure and they're bleeding. And he's like, well, have you prayed about it? Like, well, no, I didn't even think about it. It was one of those things, small thing. I was just annoyed. I'm like, no, I didn't think about it. And he's like, well, pray about it. I'm like, right now? He's been this way always. You guys think he's just trying to like encourage you right now. He's always been this way. Yeah, right now. Okay. And so we prayed about it. Go around, go, you know, about our day, doing whatever. And I still remember being in the kitchen and I looked down at my hands and I'm like, my warts are gone. And Taylor's like, yeah, we prayed. I, yeah, we did. But you know what? From that point on, I knew that God moves. And I trusted him. I know he can, do, he can do anything. But sometimes he's waiting for us to ask him. He's saying, I want to work on your behalf. But the words that you're speaking or what you're doing is preventing me from moving. He could have healed me long ago. But I didn't even think to ask I had to change my narrative for him to flip the script on my situation. And some of you have not even thought to pray about certain situations. And God is saying, invite me into the situation. I want to move for you. I want to throw some tables. I want to knock some heads. I want to heal some things. I want to restore some relationships. But you haven't even been asking me. Or maybe you've been asking him, but you're not living in faith. Because it's like, okay, yeah, I'm praying about it, but the rest of the time, I don't really think God's going to come through. I'm not really sure because my family is so intense and they'll never change. No, 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 no. Your words are preventing you 
from seeing God flip the script in your life. Some of you need to change your narrative. And that is how God flips the script. And now our last point, number three, charge the enemy. What do I mean by that? You all know that I love to shop, right? We're not talking about um, like charging up your Visa card though. That's not what we're talking We're not gonna charge, you know, um, go shopping on his account. But, and we're not actually sh- talking about flesh and blood enemies as much because I don't, I mean, do a lot of us really have those? Not that many. We're talking about the enemy, the devil. And you can't even let him have the smallest foothold in your life because he will take it and he will run with it. That's what he does. So instead of him coming after you, I'd like to suggest you go after him. You charge the enemy. You don't even allow him to come at you because you're going after him that you're pleading the blood of Jesus over your family. That you're saying, God's got this. I'm speaking words of faith. You don't even have an opportunity, devil. You've already lost. God's already won. He's the victor. I'm walking in that victory. Joshua was known as one of the greatest military leaders in the whole Bible. He was Moses's assistant. And in your notes, he, we're gonna discover why he was known as someone who would charge the enemy. This guy was victorious time and time again. Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, you got to listen to this, okay? The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, From the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. If you kind of put yourself in in his spot, like this is the Lord talking to you, it kind of gets you excited. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. It goes on and tells him to be strong and courageous. You guys remember that? Be careful to obey all the law, to meditate on it day and night. And he tells him again to be strong and courageous. Okay, think about it. That's literally what we've been talking about today. Choose better thoughts. He tells him be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Okay, what about choose your narrative? He says, keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Number three, charge the enemy. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. That is how you flip the script, how you allow God to flip the script. Remember, the Lord is with you wherever you go. He's in the battle. He's like, come on, let's do this thing. Like there there is no reason to fear the devil. There's no reason to live in defeat because God is already the victor. Get this, you are either the hunter or you're the hunted. You're the predator or you're the prey. The devil, it says that he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Don't let him become the predator you become the predator. This is Matthew's bow. I didn't want to bring a real gun. Didn't want to bring or anything that resorted. I didn't want anybody to have some PTSD or anything. So well, this is just a play bow. You are the predator. You're the hunter. Hunt down the devil. I don't think so, devil. You get your hands off of my health. 
I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. Charge the enemy. It's time that you say, I'm not living in defeat. You take your hands off my finances. Yeah, I'm going to make some better decisions. I'm going to use wisdom. But you don't, you don't have the authority. God gives the authority. And so we become the hunter and not the hunted. I hope you remember that with my bow. Charge the enemy, right? No, I'm serious. We have to charge the enemy. I hear so many people all the time, the devil's attacking this. The devil's doing this. Who cares about the devil? I'm the hunter. I'll hunt him down. This week, I'll tell you honestly, this was a really hard week for me. I know. I was like, what? Seriously, I had a lot of thoughts come, and I had to get in the car, and I'm like, Lord, you're flipping the script on this. I'm changing my thoughts. I was preaching to myself, and I knew the devil's coming after us because we're doing something, and the way this church is going, we cannot live in defeat any longer. We can't live in sin. We can't live in guilt. We can't live in fear. We're the hunters. That's right. We're hunting him down. He's not going to stop what God has planned. We're going to flip the script on his plans because he wants to take us. He wants to take us out because he knows that we're going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, remember, breakthrough's coming. It's turnaround time. Yeah, we might see this way, but God says, oh, I have a whole nother plan going. And we don't want to limit what he wants to do through us by our thoughts, by our words, and by allowing us to be defeated by the enemy. We say, no, 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 no. God's got it. Remember Romans 8, 28, it, it was at the top of our notes. And we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Your setback is just a setup. He's setting you up. <laughs> All right, victory. I'm more excited now. I know God's faithful. I can trust him no matter what. I've seen him move, so nothing can stand in my way because I know the Lord is faithful. I've had these setbacks, but they're setting me up for greater victory. You might be down, but down is not your destiny. We don't have to be down. We're victors because we, we serve the one who's already won, and that is how we live. And he wants to flip the script in your life. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He's saying, let me take it over. Give it to me and see what I will do. Can you guys do that this week? Yeah. Moving forward? Yeah. I know my, myself, I've experienced it. Lord, flip the script on this. Change my, change my thoughts. Change my words. I'm choosing to do what's right. Yeah. It's important, especially the way we're going as a church, right, Tay? That's right. That's right. The best is yet to come. So let's live like that. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that you have good things in store for us. So I pray that we live with that, that mentality, that it doesn't matter what we've got going on. You've got the master plan. And so, Lord, we're not going to limit what you do. Lord, help us to control our thoughts. Help us to control the words that we speak. And, Lord, help us to not let the devil lord over us. We are the hunter. And we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. 
We praise you. Lord, let it get inside of us. Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, but I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K, dot com, Send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.